2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a more market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. How's business holding up? Oh, no, I'm not talking about how COVID is impacting the economy or hopes for a better vaccine rollout or the possibility of another stimulus bill. After not so out there, Dow shed 179 points, this lost 0.30 percent, NASDAQ inched up 0.09 percent. I actually want to take the temperature of real companies to see how they're handling one of the strangest moments I can ever recall. Well, we're going to find out next week when we hear from some of the most important companies in America. Sure, Intel and IBM reported yesterday, and they were significant enough to dent the Dow, but they're no longer the titans of tech that they used to be. These days, they're fighting for relevance. So what is my game plan? Well, we had a mini rotation into the consumer packaged goods names today, typically a slowdown that we see every time oil ticks lower. We're going to find out if that rotation continues after Kimberly Clark reports on Monday morning. Their last quarter was abysmal with this enterprise business crushed by COVID. Can Kimberly Clark turn things around? I say stay tuned. Tuesday gets rolling with Johnson & Johnson. Not only do I expect a fabulous quarter, I also think they might show some lag on the clinical trial of the century. They're one and done vaccine candidate that could take this country and make it, well, let's say back to somewhat like it is. Next, you know what's been quietly moving up? The left for dead General Electric. Why? I think it's because CEO Larry Culp has totally gotten his arms around the company, windmills and all. That's right. Even that division is doing well. If you believe, as I do, that travelers will start flying again once we get beat this virus, well, this one's for you. Speaking of travel, there's been lots of chatter that American Express could have a terrific quarter despite the lack of corporate travel. That's certainly how the stock's been trading. Again, maybe it's another one that's going to go back to, I don't know, what are we think in 2018, 2019. I don't know, but that stock's been acting well. How about dividend aristocrat 3M? Now, this one's tougher. 3M has some potentially major pollution related to liabilities, groundwater pollution. That could hit harder now that we have an environmentally friendly president. The business is improving, though. And if, if not for that liability, I think the stock would be much, much higher. Let's see if management can convince us that the market's pulling this situation out of proportion. Hey, by the way, that's what DuPont did, and they were right. After the close, we hear from a Dickensian trio of great expectations, stocks, Mrs. Haversham. There's Advanced Micro Devices. There's Microsoft and Starbucks. We own all three for our charitable trust. You can see all our moves before we make them by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Let's talk about these. I think Intel's disappointment last night could be good news for arch-rival AMD, because AMD's done a much better job of breaking into the hottest categories with its chips that Intel's fallen behind. I'm predicting a blowout. Yes, they're still buying Xilinx, so that might put you a drag on the stock. Microsoft's been mighty quiet in recent months, but I think their business has been amazing. As for Starbucks, I worry, because the stock's had a tremendous run without any sign of a turn in the United States. I say at this point now, you've got to wait to buy Starbucks until After they report, if you want to own it, maybe it trades below 100. I don't know. Wednesday, pastiche of macro and micro news with Fed Chief Jay Powell announcing any potential policy changes, probably none. Now, I bet he'll keep rates unchanged uh, because, remember, he wants to say low, long, Uh, maybe years. But that won't stop self-proclaimed experts from offering bogus interpretations of the Fed statement that will confuse you and make you sell things that you shouldn't. Let's hope these misguided Fed heads scare people into selling. You know why? That's going to create the buying opportunities that we want in some of the terrific companies that we're talking about the report on the same day. So let's start with Boeing on Wednesday morning. The 737 Max is finally airborne, and the orders are, tri- are well, they're trickling in. Let's leave it that way. But it's too soon to expect a great quarter because the airlines are still in survival mode. That said, for months I've told you the Chinese government is parsing every word from Joe Biden's team, and if the new administration lowers the temperature. China will respond with massive aircraft orders. See, they actually need planes. Too soon to tell right now. But I suspect it won't be long. Abbott Labs reports. They've been working hard on COVID-19 testing, although they've yet to really mass produce the cheap at-home tests that the FDA proved that, that we all really want. Right. We want a test that we check every single day so that we don't go to work if we find out that we're sick before we can infect. Abbott's going to make its name, though, this quarter with its blood sugar monitor. So I expect a beat raise. After the close, we hear from Apple, Facebook and Tesla. Facebook, Apple, fat. You're from fat. Okay. Now I'm starting to feel like they're bunching up on purpose just to make my life difficult. You can't focus when they report at the same time. And Jimmy Chill likes to focus. I bet Apple will be indirect. I think it's going to be incredibly upbeat. Uh, about its entire product line, not just the, uh, the iPhone 12, which does take remarkable pictures. They're cleaning up thanks to the stay-at-home economy and the service revenue stream should keep growing, too. The one wild card is currency. Apple's has left so much money on the table because of the strong dollar, but the greenback got much weaker this quarter. I think that is going to matter. You won't even realize it, but that's going to be a major change. I'm expecting an amazing quarter from Facebook. I'm probably the only one who is, but given the fact that so many small and medium-sized businesses rely on them for advertising, I think it's I think it's going to be the real deal. If management says anything about monetizing their other businesses, I think the stock can challenge new highs. They tend not to. I don't mind their calls. It's gotten a little political of late. As for Tesla, their conference calls used to be t- it was top tier entertainment. It was it Fallon. It was Kimmel's more Kimmel. But if Elon Musk doesn't get too bored, you're going to hear some fantastic commentary to go along with fantastic numbers. We know Tesla's doing well because they give us so much information each month. We can already piece it together. Thursday morning we get results from McDonald's, which the analysts have really been dumping on lately. If you notice that, they all like Chipotle. I don't blame them. It's more better either than Chipotle than McDonald's. Just one man's opinion. Right now, McDonald's is trading like a quarter will be a bad one. Uh, you know what? I think it's too negative. MasterCard and Visa both report, too. These companies are multi-hundred-billion-dollar companies. We own MasterCard for the Travel Trust. I'm actually getting concerned that PayPal may be eating their, how their, uh, about their lunch? Still, we're sticking with it because MasterCard could tell a tremendous story once cross-border travel comes back, obviously hurt by the pandemic. Earlier this week, I gave you a basket of 5G stocks. It included Skyworks Solutions, which makes chips for smartphones. Skyworks reports on Thursday night, and I am telling you, I think it's going to be a blowout. Plus, you don't need to worry about the Chinese exposure anymore because uh, you're not going to pick up. You're not going to see a Trump tweet that says, uh, you know, my good friend, Xi, I hate you. Friday is usually a resume, but not this year. We got Honeywell, Chevron, Caterpillar and Eli Lilly. I mean, guys, get social distance these reports. I expect good things. All four. Honeywell's got a new building solutions as a service business model. They call it Honeywell as a service. OK. Their intelligent uh, warehouse division is amazing. The aerospace division isn't ready to roll yet because of the pandemic. But boy, it's going to be good once we get herd immunity. I think Honeywell's fantastic. That's Darius the damn at the helm. Caterpillar is a quandary for me. Stock goes up even if the numbers aren't that good because there's so much hope for big infrastructure bill and better relations with China. I miss this move, though. It's not, I shouldn't even be able to opine on it because I left 60 points. On the table now, oil has been on a roll. By the way, it's good for CAT, which means it's worth owning some Chevron up here. You know, I think the world of Chevron, Mike Worth is really the big think guy, in the uh, other than Scott Sheffield, in the whole group. Remember, I think most of the oils are investable, but Chevron and Sheffield's Pioneer are the exceptions. Finally, Eli Lilly ramped up so much on vaccine hopes uh, that the stock may be due for breather. Remember, that's they're they're kind of they're using a, a drug that they hope. It seems like it wards it off. But remember, they're really trying to be more therapeutic. But the pipeline is spectacular here uh, with superb COVID drugs. And then, of course, why are people buying it? What's the sotto voce story? Alzheimer's. Yes. Any more commentary on Alzheimer's? Biggest unmet need. Will move the stock to 210. Now, I know many of you will be caught up in the nitty gritty of Biden's stimulus push on Capitol Hill. That's not a sideshow. $1.9 billion stimulus bill could make a huge difference for a host of industries, from retail to the automakers, think used cars and dollar stores. But let me give you the bottom line here. Next week, I want you to keep your eyes on the prize companies with great earnings, especially when their stocks get knocked down to unreasonably low levels thanks to COVID worries that one day may no longer be front. And center. I need to go to David, my old home state of Pennsylvania. David. Jimmy, chill. Yo, chill man in the house. All right. So since last spring, you've been very bearish on this stock and for good reason. Both you and I have been burned by it once before. But given the impending reopening of the hospitality sector, notably restaurants and a Biden administration that is friendlier to China, Tyson Foods is off of its fifty-two week high by twenty-seven percent. Has a PE ratio around eleven and yields a healthy dividend of two point six seven percent. Do I have horse sense? Is it time to buy TSN? You have horse sense or horse meat? Okay, here's the problem. I think Tyson uh, is the right play for all the things you mentioned. But they have systematically dropped the ball. I will give them this, though. This stock stock does do well in the 60s. I like your thinking. It did burn me. We lost money for action alerts. I I didn't want to look back. But everything you said, sir, is true. David in Pennsylvania does indeed have horse sense. Uh, Can we take Brian in New York, please, Brian? Jimmy Chirrell, a big booyah to you from Long Beach, New York. Long Beach. I'm here. I'm in, um, I don't know, some part of some county, Jersey. What's up? My Some county doesn't boot have barn. vaccines. I'm in a vaccineless county like all the other counties. <laughs> Same here, man. Uh, boot Barn, symbol boot. I bought initially after you had the CEO, Jim Conroy, on about two years ago. Been enjoying the ride since. They report on Monday, and I'm wondering uh, about your thoughts about boot going forward. Well, you know what? We caught those guys last time it dropped to 30. I don't even know what the heck was doing down there. And uh, Matthew Boss, the best in town, uh, the GOAT of the group from uh, JP Morgan said, Jim, This is going to be a great quarter. Of course, it was. You know what? I think it's going to be again. Those guys, those guys are money. They're money. I mean, they're not Kathy Wood, okay? Right? Okay. All right. Look, next week, I want you to keep your eye on the prize. Man, tonight, as e-commerce sales continue to surge, I'm eyeing under the radar way to play the trend that's environmentally friendly. And I know you want that. I'll reveal the name when I sit down with the CEO just ahead. Then ARK Investment was one of the fastest growing fund managers in 2020. But could the rapid rise in popularity of Kathy Wood's group continue? Well, I don't know. And how about the COVID-19 pandemic? Is it impacting regional bank or not? I'm going to sit down with the CEO of First Horizon. Inexpensive stock. So stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
3: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
1: Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
2: The pandemic's created a ton of boisterous bull markets. as housing, autos, remote work, e-commerce. But there are also some quieter ones, like the bull market and packaging. When the whole country's ordering everything online, you need a lot more boxes. Hence the big gains in international paper or Westrock. They had not been doing well, but now they're doing, let's just say, they're doing bullishly. However, the best performing in the group is a little company called Randpack Holdings. That makes environmentally sustainable packaging, meaning it's got an ESG kicker. When COVID crashed the stock market in March, Rampak plunged to six bucks. Since then, the stocks come roaring back to 17, including a 12% gain just today, as Wall Street realized their e-commerce business would be a huge winner. So can this thing keep running after making a new all-time high today? Well, why don't we check in with Omar Asali. He's the chairman and CEO of Rampak Holdings. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Asali, welcome to Mad Money.
4: Thanks, Jim. Great to be on.
2: Well, Omar, let me tell you something. You're one exciting company. It's first time on. I think you have an amazing story. Could you just tell it to our viewers? Because I think they're going to say, this is the one I want in this group.
4: Yeah, absolutely. We are um, a leader in environmentally friendly protective packaging. So we help companies basically ship products and protect the items so that they arrive at your doorstep uh, damage free. We are 100% paper and fiber-based, so we have no exposure to plastic. Uh, Sustainability is at the core of what we do. Uh, Our model is razor, razor blade, so we build the equipment that uh, produces the pads that provide the protection uh, for the items that are being shipped in the box. And then the customers buy the consumable, i.e. the paper, from us. Uh, In addition to our core business, we also have a business that automates all of your end-of-line needs, so we work very closely with e-commerce players and retailers to help them ship uh, more boxes to their customers.
2: Uh, do you uh, do packaging for many of the big uh, e-commerce plays in the United States?
4: We, we do. Uh, so roughly 50 percent of our business is in the United States and 50 percent is outside, uh, mostly in Western Europe, given sustainability tailwinds uh, in Western Europe and the Nordic region. In the U.S., we uh, provide services to all the big players, e-commerce players, uh, the third-party uh, uh, fulfillment players, and the big retailers, so names like Amazon, Walmart, uh, all or customers of our product.
2: All right, so let me ask you, we, I, we order a lot of stuff from uh, Amazon. My wife has always p- uh, picked up the box and said, Will you look at this. We got this little thing of vitamins, and they use this giant box. It's such a waste. Rampack has a solution for that, don't they?
4: We, we absolutely do. Look, we are a long-term player, and the way to win long-term is to be an efficient provider uh, of protection to these items. So shipping a big box with a small item and then a ton of uh, paper or plastic is not what the consumer wants. It's an unpleasant uh, unboxing experience, and frankly, it's terrible for the environment. So we have equipment that customizes the size of the box so that it fits perfectly with the item that's being shipped, we also use sensors to, uh, for our converters to dispense the right amount of paper so that it's not overpacked. Uh, the secret, obviously, in our business is not to underpack, so the item uh, arrives at your doorstep damage-free. Uh, but overpacking is not what the consumer wants, and it's certainly not good for our planet.
2: Okay, so Omar, one of the things that our younger viewers just insisted I ask about, uh, I actually know that there's some places where plastic does well, uh, but the younger viewers don't want plastic. Are there... Things in your pipeline, uh, in your people's engineering division that say we can replace or displace even more plastic in the following businesses?
4: We, we do. So we are very focused uh, on uh, building solutions in cold chain, for example, uh, to replace styrofoam or EPS, which, you know, lasts out there for 500 years plus. And we're helping grocers, food and beverage companies, uh, meal kit companies ship uh, items uh, while maintaining the temperature inside the box using, you know, renewable and curbside recyclable paper. Uh, So we're investing a lot in material science in other solutions to make sure that the efficacy of of paper and our product offering, if you will, is broadened uh, to replace airbags, styrofoam, foam in place, and bubble wrap. You, you know, it's no secret that plastic pollution is a key issue. And uh, given the nature of our substrate, we feel we have a lot of uh you know, eco-friendly and environmentally friendly solutions for the consumer out there.
2: Well, let me push back a little. The people who make styrofoam and the people who make bubble wrap and other plastics have always told me, Jim, this method uh, of making you love paper so much, it uses far more energy than you realize. It requires a lot of trees to be cut down. Now, you're using recycled, but how about this energy issue? Do the plastic people have, ha- have a case here against Rampack?
4: We have been in, in investing in innovation to uh, use less paper. So we have come up with products where uh, the pad comes out in a triangular shape. Inside the pad is air. So there is less paper weight, if you will, less energy being consumed. We also, the, th- the secret sauce in our business, Jim, is high-strength, lightweight paper. So we really don't use that much energy and our, in our manufacturing Uh, we do not use any fossil fuels, and our greenhouse gas emissions are are limited. Now, let me talk a little bit about our supply chain on our paper. Every mill we work with is FSC certified. We only work with people that are uh, doing sustainable forestry. And as you indicated, the bulk of our product is actually recycled paper, not virgin paper. So we're very focused on being part of the circular economy, which is just very, very different and has a stark contrast to what's happening in the plastic industry.
2: Well, that's sensational. i got to tell you, Omar, I'm so glad you came on the show. Uh, so many people who are first-time investors want to do good and invest with the right kinds of companies. I think you've got a lot to say for yourself. I think it's a very, as, as someone who came from a packaging family, Rampac sounds like a real good one to own. Omar Asali, chairman and CEO of Rampac P-A-C-K. Great to meet you, sir.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure.
2: See, I... I didn't know until I, in, I interviewed him to the research that it could even be the case. Isn't this the way we all want it to be? Omar Sali. Yes, Rand PACK, P-A-C-K. they have money's back interest, right?
0: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Jenny! Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org/slash/moneytools.
3: When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Visibility at indeed.com/slash mad Just go to indeed.com/slash mad right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash mad Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: All right, here's a good one. What happens when everybody decides to imitate, mimic the hottest money manager in the world? Well, uh, things get a little weird. That's what happens. Right now, nobody in the industry has a hotter hand than Kathy Wood and her team at ARK Invest. It's an asset manager with a family of funds, including seven exchange-traded funds that have suddenly become wildly popular. ARK Invest is unique, not just because of their incredible performance, but because they're focused like a laser on disruptive innovation. You know our disruptive list that we do at CNBC? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. These guys are the uber-disruptor investors. Uh, If it's not disrupting, they're not interested. And that's why, by the way, we never profile managers ever. Right. Have We ever done that. But this time we have to disruptors make money. Kathy Wood started this business in 2014 and the last few years she's had one gigantic win after another. She's best known for making big bets. On Tesla, on Bitcoin, back when those were extremely contrarian calls. It's hard to remember now, but two years ago, it was tough to be bullish on Tesla. There were times when you couldn't find anyone other than Wood and Ron Barron, who liked it. But she and her people came on CNBC time after time to make the case that Tesla had way more upside than anyone gave them credit for. She and her team were mocked mercilessly because their long-term price targets seemed insanely upbeat. Back before the stock's five-for-one split, would love to say that Tesla was going to $4,000 post-put. That's 800 A oh, Wall Street scoffed. They said she doesn't know what she's doing. It's, you know, just a type. Well, guess what? Today, Tesla closed at $846. So who's crazy now? That's a spectacular call. And it's not just a couple of big bets. Kathy Wood has a stunning overall track record. Her flagship actively managed ETF, ARK Innovation, soared nearly 150% last year, fueled by powerful disruptors. Roku, Teladoc, how much do we like that? Zillow, and of course Tesla. These are all great companies, all huge gainers. Her second largest e- ETF, ARC Genomic Revolution. Think revolutionary medicine, genetically engineered crops. Did even better. It's up 178%. Her third biggest fund, ARC Next Generation Internet, jumped 154%. These are staggering numbers. I could go on and on. Their FinTech ETFs up 1275 Since the end of 2019, their automation and robotics ETFs up 144%. These are staggering. ARC Invest is practically printing money. And so are those acolytes who follow her. I think the only one that she that she doesn't own is GameStop. So it makes sense that Ark's funds have seen some huge inflows, and everybody's watching Kathy Wood like a hawk. Mark's daily emails where they disclose their ETF trades have become a required bulletin on Wall Street. I get my it's like 401. I get I' It's like, wow, what did she do today? After the close, I check the S&P short range oscillator like I've done for decades. And then I take a peek at what Kathy's buying. Can't resist. You know, what it's like it's like looking at the NFL draft before it occurs. But it's now gotten to be the point where some people are saying, wait a second. Phenomenas having a, the phenomena, the Wood phenomena, is having a real impact on the border market. That's what I meant when I said things start to get weird when everyone tries to imitate the woman with the Midas touch. There are two distinct stories here. First, there's the money coming in over the transom issue. A little over a year ago, ARK Invest had $3 billion in assets under management, spread across more than a half dozen funds. By late October, they had $17 billion. A month later, $24 billion. Then $34.6 billion at the end of December, and roughly $47 Billion dollars today. Now, some of that's simply because ARC owns stocks that are performing incredibly, I even mean, when the stock prices go up, they are more money under management. But most of it has to do with new money coming in. Last month, ARC had more than eight billion dollars in inflows across its seven funds. So far in January, they've got $6.7 billion, with the bulk of that split between the flagship ARC Innovation ETF and ARC Genomic Revolution. You can see that money coming in. She puts more money to work every day in the same names. There's a lot of capital, but there's lots of stock to buy. In fact, ARC's family of funds is now the number two destination for money going into ETFs behind only Vanguard. Wood's actively managed funds are getting more cash than iShares or State Street or Invesco. The powerhouses of passive investing who must just be looking and saying, uh, we got to own Arc Invest. When an actively managed fund gets billions of dollars, they have to figure out where to put it. So, so far, ARK simply stuck with their game plan. Good. I don't want any, I don't want any sort of uh, trend that goes away from her plan. Uh, they continue to buy what they call disruptive innovators, basically a mix of speculative stocks, and super fast growers. No drift here. However, uh, just yesterday, Barron's published a piece arguing that ARC's funds may have gotten too big for their own good. When you're managing tens of billions of dollars, it's, it's tougher to amass a meaningful stake in some of these smaller companies and you end up owning a massive percentage of the share count. I don't even know if she should actually publish what she's doing or maybe give it a delay because there's just too much front running. Which brings me to the second story. So many smaller players are following Kathy Wood's every move that I think it's warping the action. When ARK Invest buys something new, tons of younger investors on Robinhood follow them into it, creating a self-fulfilling rally. Rather than just putting their money in the ETF, they want to buy what Wood's buying, and they want it now. The men, as I call them, Robinhood and his Murraymen, is having a ball imitating Kathy Wood. So let's talk one that, I, that you know I like very, very much and give you an example. I'll, I'm going to walk you through the Zoom video. Yes, here's a stock that's been on a three-month losing streak because traders wanted to ring the register on the ultimate pandemic play before everyone gets vaccinated. Makes sense. Last Tuesday, Zoom plunged to $331 after the company announced a $1.5 billion secondary offering. But then the stock found its footing in the middle of the session actually finished up 5%. What's going on here? I couldn't find a reason Until that night, when we learned that ARC had made a massive buy. And since then, it's come roaring back, rebounding at 383 today, because we all know that Kathy Wood put in the bottom. Nothing wrong with that, especially since I think she's right about Zoom. Even after we beat COVID, we won't just forget everything we've learned about how remote work can boost productivity. And Zoom's outstanding. Still a lot of new products. I still think it's a winner. And Eric, you win. you're welcome on the show anytime you want. But it doesn't stop at piggybacking. You've got a whole contingent of traders who are trying to front run ARK, as I mentioned earlier. Last week, we learned that Kathy Wood and her team are launching a new ETF focused on space exploration. In response, all the high-profile space stocks soared higher, presumably in the expectation that ARK's new ETF would be a buyer and they can toss to the ETF. Virgin Galactic, the extremely early stage commercial space tourism play, saw its stock jump 20%. There were similar v- moves in Maxar Technologies, Viasat, Iridium, uh, Orb.com, all because Kathy Wood's new fund might be interested in them. Maybe. But the darn fund doesn't even exist yet. So these trades feel like a recipe for disaster. All told, these five space stocks are up 29% on average year to date. That makes it tough for Ark to get a good entry point once this new ETF launches, because everybody front ran Kathy Wood. So now Wood and her team are coming under fire for all sorts of gray, you know, these graybeards. So they're right after you know the people come on and they say that frogs. You know, people are like frogs that boil because they're buying stocks. Or whatever people get nervous when they see a fund with such incredible performance. Barron's piece yesterday made some good points about the law of large numbers. Can't manage $47 billion the same way you manage $3 billion. There's a skeptical Wall Street Journal article just last week, which compared ARK to one of the hottest mutual funds of the dot-com era, Janus. After racking up huge wins on stocks like Cisco and AOL, the Teslas of the 90s, the dot-com bubble burst and Janus' funds got obliterated. I don't know if it's the right comparison or not, but it's good to have historical and to have it in your mind. Well, I don't think Ark is the next Janus. That would be too harsh. I also wouldn't count on them to continue to deliver all-inspiring returns year after year, especially after publishing their, what they're buying. Don't get me wrong. Kathy Wood is legitimately brilliant. But she and her team have to keep finding new winners. And it'll be a lot harder to find them and to buy those stocks at reasonable prices because there's so many copycats. And by the way, the people like you look at Wall Street bets or Robin, they keep taking and taking. They're not going to. They'll take it in front of for Palantir. They'll take it in front for GameStop. They're doing an AMC now. They just have a bed, bath and beyond. If you wanted to buy those stocks, forget it. They'll move them up too much. The biggest risk, though, I think, is the lack of diversification. These speculative growth uh, stories tend to trade as a group. Right now, the market looks. Loves momentum, So they're doing great. But the next time momentum goes out of style, well, it could be look out below. Here's the bottom line. Kathy Wood and her team at Ark Invest have made some incredible calls. And my hat is off. My hat is tipping to them. They absolutely deserve all the praise they're getting. We are going to continue to follow her like a hawk. That said, when I see so many copycats trying to imitate the same manager and take stock ahead of her, it makes me a little nervous. So keep your eyes open. Wait for when we think enough is enough. But remember, it sure isn't yet. Let's go to John in Minnesota. John. Hey, yo, Kramer. How are we doing? I am doing well. And how are you doing, my friend? Fantastic. Booyah. So I'm calling you to ask about Riot Blockchain, ticker symbol Riot. You know, if cryptocurrency keeps heading in this direction, I think they're in for a big year. What are your thoughts? Well, look, they're an ancillary play uh, on on Bitcoin. I've been very public saying that Bitcoin is a a repository of wealth. Uh, But I think the best way to play Bitcoin is Bitcoin. That's how we do things around here. Now, Kathy Woods got the Midas touch. She and her team have made incredible calls and deserve all the praise. I think I just got her bulletin. I'm going to take a look at what they bought today. She's been liking a bristle. So i get much more made money yet. including my exclusive with First Horizon after earnings. What does a report signal for the rest of the regional players? Then the market of stocks is finally acting like a market of stocks. I'm going to explain why it's a refreshing change. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. So far this earnings season, we've seen bank stock after bank stock sell off in response really to pretty terrific results until today when First Horizon broke the cycle. First Horizon is a Tennessee-based regional bank, long our favorite, one of the largest players in the South. And this morning, they reported a clean top and bottom line beat. In response, the stock rallied about 1.5 percent. That might not look like much, but it's big change from the post earnings action we see to the rest of the group. Now, this company's had a rough year. First horizon got clobbered when COVID shut down the economy. Makes sense. Lately, though, stocks come roaring back. You know, this is up 57 percent since we last spoke to the CEO six months ago. Investors crowd into the reopening plays that are well run. Let's take a closer look with Brian Jordan, the president and CEO of First Horizon, who always comes to see us in earnings, whether the market liked the quarter or not. Mr. Jordan, welcome back to Bad Buddy.
5: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, Brian, I've got to tell you, one of the pure joys I have is your conference calls. Why? Because you just tell it like it is. And you said, and I'm going to quote you, that, you, that things would be a lot better if the rollout of vaccines would not have been woefully inadequate. Right there, you're telling us that that's what's stalling the economy, isn't it?
5: Yes, absolutely. Vaccine rollout, I think, is is the key to everything over the course of 2021.
2: Do we have to all get involved? Does First Horizon maybe connect with some of the sports teams, get to the stadiums? Because I think you and I, maybe we're not as fond these days of how the government rolls things out.
5: Well, I think that you're you're making a very good point. I think we all have to be involved. And in our case, our banking franchise is spread over 11 states. And if you look at our entire company, we're much broader than that. So we're working with trying to coordinate with the various states that we operate in. And we're trying to to do what we can with working with health care providers, working with states to make sure that we provide access to our frontline people and to our bankers, as soon as, as the vaccine becomes available for us
2: so that's you you personally get involved you make calls to get this better
5: yes absolutely i've i've had calls with governors and and uh leaders in in health systems trying to figure out how it is that, that we pull this off in such a way that we're not jumping the line in any sense but we're in a in a position to make sure that our people are protected And like every other business leader in the country, trying to make sure that we get this done as quickly and as expeditiously as we can and and get this economy back to health.
2: Well, that's what I think the private-public partnership is what has to happen. Now, you made this acquisition, and I loved it. I've just, you know I loved Iberia. My daughter went to Tulane, and I saw it down there. But one of the things I thought was interesting, when I looked at the actual makeup of where some of these branches are, you've got a ton of exposure to a market that's the hottest in the country, to the oil and gas market. It's come back in the time since you closed on this. How things going in that area?
5: things are are starting to pick up as you point out, oil and gas is is making a comeback, and it's going to be a significant part of our economy for the foreseeable future and so we think it's a opportunity to to see some significant growth in those markets. We pointed out when we announced this merger we're really excited about the expanded footprint that this puts us in pre merge excuse me pre pandemic at, at the time of the merger announcement. We saw this economy likely to grow in terms of households to two and a half percent faster than the U.S. as a whole, given what's happened with the pandemic and people moving, working from home, working more remote remotely. We think that the landscape has shifted a little bit more in our direction and we we're expecting to see faster growth across the oil and gas economy and across the southern economy as a whole
2: yeah me too i totally share that one of the great moments in your call was that we've had a little outfit on that i didn't think anyone was paying attention to called encino but iberia was using that software and you're adopting it that's we think that stuff saves money and it's better than any other kind out there that's been your experience
5: Absolutely. We think that's the leading technology in terms of end-to-end process management and fulfilling consumer lending activity. And we are excited that Iberia brought it to the organization. Iberia Bank was using the tool and had very good success with it, and we're excited about adopting it across the whole of our franchise.
2: Do, do you think that uh, that bank technology is still in its infancy? A lot of banks haven't moved to the cloud. A lot of banks are just bringing in, say, customer relations management. Is there a lot more to do technologically for First Horizon?
5: I think when we get to the end of this integration, we will have moved the ball significantly forward in terms of products and feature functionality. I think this this notion of the the back room and the core systems is likely to, to not change significantly over the foreseeable future. Financial institutions, almost exclusively, but not completely, use a whole lot of big iron mainframe-based systems right. that go back 20, 30, 40 years plus in some cases. And what we're having to do is make sure that we put, with APIs, front ends on these systems that allow us to to sort of make the experience from a customer perspective from a a user interface experience much better than it would be dealing with the old green screen technology, but the sheer lift of getting from a cloud-based infrastructure or core to from where we are today is a huge and expensive lift. And so, I expect we in the industry will continue to use these big iron systems as long as we can make them work. With a with a importantly. Um, Focused customer experience; that minimizes uh, anything uh, that would be inconvenient for them.
2: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of legacy hardware out there that has to change. One last question: obviously, we have the election, we have a, a new president. Uh, do bankers think, even at the level of, oh, we got this new president that's going to help us, or is it just really, it's in your case, it's a regional issue and it won't impact the banking business?
5: I think, I think the, the administration, the Biden administration, has a, an opportunity to have a, a real positive impact. As you point out, our business tends to be more geographically focused. But the overall U.S. economy and, and how policy around controlling the pandemic and rolling out vaccines is important. The legislative process particularly is important as it relates to additional potential stimulus in the economy. And then ultimately, you know, how do tax policies look, how do housing policies look? And all of that will affect the, the broader economy. So it'll have an impact on us. And I'm optimistic that, that we have with the Biden administration what will be a, a thoughtful and, and forward-leaning process that I think will lead to a better economy over the course of this year.
2: I know I'll take that, and our viewers will, too. Always great to see you, Brian. Brian Jordan, the president and CEO of First Horizon FHM, my favorite regional bank. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. May I be back in for a break? It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Everybody, rock, rock, rock. One another, same as Bye, 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 And then the light round. Are you ready, skate deck? Time for the light round. Everybody, start with Jim in New York. Jim. Hello, Jim. How are you? I am good. How about you, Jim? We're doing good here in Long Island. Thanks. Oh, good. I was there last week and I had a great time. What's going on? Uh, I wonder if uh, you can give me some advice on a stock. Um, purchased, uh, uh, started my position about a year ago and been
5: adding to it on dips. And uh, lost half its value over the last three or four days. And uh, wondering if, uh, if I should get in and buy a little bit more. And We're which one is that? Cardiff Oncology. Cardiff Oncology. Development
2: stage. Uh, I looked at this once when it was a different name company. Um, And I think it's just okay, to be honest. Uh, it's It's a very speculative situation. They can always come up. You know, they've got like five different things they're working on, but it's very speculative and not as far along as I'd like it to be. I need to go to Eric in Texas. Eric. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, so I've heard you recently discuss the critical importance of semiconductors on future tech, uh, like 5G, infrastructure, auto. What is your outlook on Atomera, uh, their technology, the recent JDA, and just overall their position in the semiconductor space? Uh, very speculative. Once again, a company that used to have another name. It was like, you can run, but you can't hide stocks. And uh, I've got to tell you, again, I been mean, come back and say, let's not overthink this. we got a bunch of them that are great. Why it be an NVIDIA. I mean, what's about Just go be in a video. That's a better stock. I know it's playoff. Buy a fractional share. One of these guys who sells fractional shares. I need to go to Sharon in New York. Sharon. Hey, Jim. Hi. A big, a huge
1: uh, booyah to you.
2: Right back. We get booyah.
1: Question, well, hi, hi. Uh, my question is I was wondering why Root, R O O T, never took off the way Lemonade took off. I mean, I thought that both of them. We're supposed to be um, disruptive to the uh, insurance
2: industry. You're absolutely right. You know, I don't understand why one stock captures the fancy of one particular website and it goes nuts. Lemonade. Now, candidly, I think lemonade is terrific. A lot of people in the office use lemonade. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just think that one is uh, better on the, on the Wall Street fashion show. We had we talked about it in Sino earlier tonight. That was one nobody looked at. I've looked at. Things taken off. But, yeah, I mean, the one that they want is lemonade. I'm sorry. I can't do anything about it. Right? They don't want Kool-Aid. They want lemonade. I need to go to... I don't know. I need to go... The lightning round is over.
1: (laughs) The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: about this market? It's a meritocracy. For the first time in 20 years, companies consistently get credit or blame, depending on the successes or failures of management. If you think that's how markets are supposed to work, I don't blame you, but you'd be wrong. Since the turn of the millennium, we've had a market where stocks were punished or rewarded based on their sector and the averages as a whole. The difference between a high-quality stock and a low-quality stock in the same industry Well, much more than it used to be. At times they felt like genuine commodities, as though we were trading uh, bushels of corn, not equity in publicly traded companies. What mattered was the direction of the futures and the strength of the company sector. Was it in or out of style on the Wall Street fashion show? Until this past year, that was pretty much just accepted as normal. However, those of us who've been around for a long while can remember a time before the market got commoditized, a time when businesses still had some control over their own stock's destiny. When I worked at Goldman Sachs in the 80s, I used to teach that 50% of the action in the stock reflected the actions of management, with the other 50% reflecting the sector and the performance of the averages. Then the dot-com bubble burst, the futures took over, and we entered a world of index fund investing, where tons of players just didn't even care about company specifics. Companies were too small. They were macro people. For the past 20 years, it's felt like more than, I'd say, more than 40% of the stock's action came from the averages. 40% came from the sector. Only 20% came from the actual corporate achievement. But last year, something changed. Maybe it was the rise of commission free trading. Maybe it was the stimulus checks. Maybe it was uh, uh, highly visible winners like Tesla. Maybe a whole group of new investors that don't look at stocks the way we did. Whatever. We now have a stock pickers market where company specifics matter like they did when I got into this business 40 years ago. I think the ratio is actually back to 50 50. Half the business, half the sector in the broader market. Suddenly, doing the homework on individual companies can be a lot more lucrative because the fundamentals are in the driver's seat, not interest rates or exogenous events or sector rotations of the Fed. Let me give you some examples. In the last couple of weeks, Eli Lilly had some terrific news on potential Alzheimer's treatment and a drug that could help prevent the spread of COVID, especially among people in nursing homes, the highest risk group. Thanks to that news, Lilly's been able to break away broken chains from the market and the big pharma cohort, except rumors. J&J is on the verge of a big announcement of its one-and-done COVID vaccine. I believe it. Sure enough, the stock's turned into a juggernaut. It's trading on its own prospects. Now, I don't know how the market feels about the pharma industry. Third, how about this PayPal? It's now worth almost $300 billion because they keep they keep taking market share from MasterCard and Visa, and the market is saying it should be valued like them. Two years ago, this was just a $100 billion company. Even at the moment when financial technology is red hot, PayPal feels like it's the master of its own fate. Finally, I want to look at General Motors. This is now among the best-performing stocks of 2021, in part because we've got a fabulous bull market in autos, but also because GM is becoming less of a fossil fuel dinosaur and more of an electric vehicle play. It's management that's in charge of the stock. Thanks to the amazing work of CEO Mary Barra, the stock's been able to separate itself from the pack, put it all together, and this is truly a wonderful stock picker's market, one that rewards you for taking the time to do the homework and identify potential winners based on how well they're actually doing. And that's how stock markets should work. And at least for the moment, it's the way they do. Well, like I said, it's always a bull market summer, and I promise you, just for you, right here on Mad Money, I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.